All right. Yeah. So we are here with Lewis and Lovecraft. You guys are, what do you call people like, like gardeners or green thumbs, but like, yeah. are you book thumbs? <laughs> Like, oh, or, well, are you asking what we call ourselves I'm or just, our fan base? I'm just curious. Ask him that. <laughs> because we have a name for our fan base, despite Hannah's many. It's a terrible name. It's not a terrible name. It's a great name. What is it? What is it? I call our fan base the Ghoul Gang. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft. Thank you so much for checking us out. This show is all about learning more about the authors that have inspired us and diving into the stories that they not only created, but lived as well. So join myself, Tyler Clausen, and my co-host, Hannah Ray Lambert, as we explore the worlds that live just out of reach. What's up, Ghoul Gang? Welcome back to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft. We don't. We I don't. explicitly forbade that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Well, our fan base is still growing. I've never really thought to come up with a name. But technically, Tyler, you're not supposed to make up your fan base name. Your fans are supposed to make it. Oh, really? Is that how it works? Yeah. yeah. I just. Like Taylor okay. Swift didn't call her fans Swifties. Swifties. Like they took it. And then like. Or the, the Beehive. Yeah. And then Katy Perry is the uh, <laughs> Katy Cats. It and is? Then, yeah. That's a bad Benedict one. Cumber, Benedict <laughs> Cumber Bitches. Yeah. Cumber, oh, is that what they call them? Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, they're called, yeah, yeah oh Benedict Batches or Cumber Bitches. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. I'm going to join Jessica for that name. Because <laughs> you want to be a Cumber Bitch? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So it's just like, what do people who are like big book nerds, what do they call themselves? Um, book nerds, I Bookworms. Think. Bookworms. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're bookworms. Okay. So we yeah, got the, the bookworms and I guess we're like cinephils. Sure. Cinephile. Yeah. Cinephile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're covering a really depressing topic today, guys. Just yeah, get ready. Um, normally, Crystal and I, were like, out. we're like, have some coffee. But, you know, maybe you should put some Baileys in your coffee. Or just yeah. if you're listening to this at 7 a.m., you should probably just have a glass of wine. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> or like a mug of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Thermos. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we are covering The Handmaid's Tale. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Crystal and I are currently only about halfway through the book, but it sounds like you guys both finished the book. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I had read it before and did a little reread. And I had to prove to Hannah that I'm capable of finishing a book. This so. book is really short, Tyler. That's not that's not braggable. Don't take away <laughs> my victories. <laughs> your co-host and your your whole podcast is around reading books. Doesn't finish books. Yes. Whoa. It's, he has a lot of opinions about books without reading them. It's <laughs> impressive. I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> just period. Just period. Just full stop. I mean, just I, just go by the Cliff Notes version if you're not going to do it. Yeah, or the Hulu show. I've had to learn what my, um, I have really bad ADD. Sitting down and reading a book does not work for me. And I just realized that that rhymed and I'm very sad about that. I didn't even um, notice. <laughs> yeah. And then, and so I just, I had to learn the best way for me to absorb book knowledge is through audiobook format and it's changed my life. So That's fair. Yeah. I feel like a, an audiobook of Handmaid's Tale is probably even more depressing than just 
reading. Especially when it's it. read Mm-mm. by Claire Danes. Oh, what? Yeah. She did oh, a really impressive. good job. Was yeah. this on Audible? It was on Audible. Okay. Yeah. Why uh, Why really Claire Danes? Of all people, I'm just wondering, like, how did they come to I'm, that conclusion? I feel like with bigger books, they get bigger actors to, to do the voicing. Well, she, this, she was probably a she's, fan. I mean, this she's was done, big on Homeland. I, just yeah, so I random. Yeah, I think this was right before Homeland took off because oh. the audiobook was done in like 2010, 2012. Oh, interesting. Oh. At oh. least the version I listened to. So I think I think it's just a matter of timing. She would, A lot of actors go into the studio to do pick up gigs like that right yeah i mean i i speaking as some random guy <laughs> in oregon to an actors <laughs> as i talk to to an actor or two you know uh, yeah that's cool yeah but they also get paid like dirt cheap Not too them. um like tina fey when she did her her audio for her book she did it like in her closet because it wasn't a thing at the time and that is sure. the really? best audiobook ever yeah bossy pants saying. like her is it my mm-hmm. She is Should my spirit animal, Fey? and it is the best book, best audiobook ever. Yeah, Just we saying. could do an episode on, on Tina Fey. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are like, are to like. Oh, yeah, and they've both my done books. Best yeah. friend yeah. duo. I have the- both of their audiobooks, no big deal. I'm that obsessed. <laughs> I'm glad we could get another like episode pitch for you guys right here. Yeah, Fey, that Amy way. I, I, I want to do it. Well, yeah, you guys could See, clap with us, and that way we can redeem ourselves for doing something less depressing. Yeah. You know, if, uh, <laughs> just again, throwing this out there, you know. In October, if we wanted to trade hosts for <laughs> stuff, I'd be down for hanging out with Crystal and doing a Tina Fey episode. So I was... I love her. I was telling um, them that I really want to do an episode of It because of the Friends. Pass. It, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Crystal would be terrified. Yeah. But Hannah wants to do a whole like month on Stephen King. So I was like, mm. let me join you so I can talk about these friends. She can talk about it forever. Yeah. Yeah. I won't go anywhere near that shit. So. Told you guys. You <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the last horror film we got Crystal to see was um, the not the Ring. It was the other one. Um, the, grudge. the Grudge. Oh my god! I oh my still god. hate I you for that. that. When I was thirteen, and it messed me up for life. I still can't like yeah. watch those movies. We were uh, like trick or treating because that's what you did. We did it till we were eighteen. Uh, I think we were like fifteen at the time when this movie came out, and we had to cross nice. like this big like dark open field to go to the next neighborhood and um was austin your boyfriend at the time i don't know yeah he was there and uh the (laughs) field made me go to that movie (laughs) so in the field was kind of dark and so as we're like running through it and he's just like (laughs) i'm pretty sure he got whacked in the balls really hard for that yeah (laughs) deservedly so yeah I spent like that whole movie in the theaters like this, like yeah, yeah. Crystal's like behind fingers. Um, Okay, so uh, we're definitely going to talk about June and Moira because they're a big deal, but we also want to talk about the Handmaids because they got each other's back, and then also like comparing the show and the books uh, because Crystal and I have seen all the way up until like mid season three, almost done with season three. So we have a pretty good balance of comparison here. And June and um, Emily, right? Yeah. Little oh, yeah. comparison of like friendship before Gilead and friendship in Gilead. Kind yeah. Of thing. They're definitely yeah. important because they create like a big ally. She also gets like June to, you know, like fight the good fight. That's right. Um, Mayday. So I know I just that... read that part like this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was curious, Hannah, since like you've read the book before. Um, and I know sometimes you guys do like a little bit of background, like on the author. 
Did you have like have any like fun tidbits about like Margaret Atwood and who she is? If not, no pressure because we didn't talk about it. So I was just curious. Um, the only thing is that I didn't realize how old Margaret Atwood is now. Right? <laughs> she oh. just wrote the new one and she's eighty years old. It's I'm like, funny you say that because I was gonna say it sounds like an old lady name. That's like my only comment. Yeah. Margaret Atwood she was born sounds in like a really thirty nine. Yeah, Holy crap. Wow. like it. When I was reading the forward of the book, it was nuts that she was writing this book like before the Berlin Wall had been brought down and she was in Germany. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So this book is literally a classic. Yeah. And it has a lot of like more 80s feminism references than it does like modern day Mm -hmm. feminist references. Mm -hmm. Because it's it was 86. I think 85. Yeah. Yeah, When it was published. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of tried to keep that in mind as I read it, you know, so that I could understand the time frame because it is a completely different sense now than back then well yeah and she tried to imagine some futuristic things like like online banking sort of in the book yeah. um but yeah I, they definitely we'll talk about it with the show but they definitely like readapted it to be our time which and the, wait the way she says compu checks and compu like bites i was like i think she's trying to like say computer but they're not like a thing yet. <laughs> yeah, so she was ahead of her time. I, like, I think that's going to be a computer one day. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, um I the 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 writing of the book is it's uh very dystopian and it's kind of like um just like sort of explaining like this is what the system is and she also took the approach of I know that she says it's not from the point of view of June, but like it it clearly obviously is. Um mm-hmm. But there's this other book that I've read that's very dystopian called Anthem by Anne Rad. Oh, yeah. That's a good one, too. And, yeah, that's a nice, good one. It's, like, less than 80 pages. You can handle it, Tyler. Tyler could totally Thank you do very it. much. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in that also, we never get, like, the person's name. They have, like, a coded name yep. similar to, like, how June does. And so I, I definitely did, like, that style. Um I just hate that it the book was then became more depressing than the show. <laughs> like I like that my June has angst in the show. Like she only has a little bit in the book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, that drove me crazy the first time reading it. I was like, "Come on, lady, why don't you like fight back a little bit?" She's like, "I've been but gifted the with show, a good she was life." Always I sh- swearing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know in the book she's like, Man "I've up. been gifted with a good life. I'm grateful to God." I'm like, "Who are you?" Yeah. <laughs> In season three, she's like trying to slash people with a scalpel and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's We're not there yet. Sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying she's uh, way cooler in season three. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that it's I think it's it's interesting because it is. Um, I don't know. I come from a, a household that is not unlike Gilead as a whole, which is interesting. Uh, Hannah and I are kind of talking about it a little bit before we started recording like just my things and i i really appreciated her inner monologue because it wasn't unlike some of the stuff that i had to deal with as a kid like Mm -hmm. acting out but acting out in a way that's only important to me Mm -hmm. and acting out in a way that doesn't get me in trouble Mm -hmm. like that's the thing she in the books because i haven't watched any of the tv show um she is she wants to act out but she cannot stand the idea of actually having anything happen to her she wants to steal packets of sugar or something from the room without anybody noticing that she's doing it she wants to do it for herself well yeah but the stakes are also a lot higher she'll like 
get an eye cut out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. But but yeah. And obviously I'm talking about like myself, like I would get grounded or whatever. Get a whipping. <laughs> but I get the mentality that you still have angst, but you understand the consequences enough. to Like yeah. it's this weird give and take. It's this weird middle ground of like, I got to express myself somehow or else I will die. But if I do it too much, I will, I will also die. die. Well, that's smart. That's self-preservation. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you only do a little bit. She knows better than to act out too much because then she'll die. You don't want to end up on the wall. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, well, she's even not. pretty you good about not. making sure that she doesn't um, lose a limb or get burned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She Is mostly... there a lot more of that in the TV show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's, there's like, like none eyes. of it in the yeah, book. Hand in the burning. books, Janine didn't lose an eye, right? I feel like Janine was fully intact in the whole book. Janine, <laughs> the the one that gives birth? Yeah. Yeah, she never she has never... anything happen to her other than she loses her mind. Yeah, in the... Who needs a mind? In but the... I mean, in the book, does she try and jump off a bridge after, with the baby? Or was that something just in the mo- in the so. show? No, we don't no. see, we we don't don't see, see any relationship anymore. with Janine after she's given birth. And then you see her once more after that, I think... Uh, and by that time, she lo- loses her mind, and that's it. That's the end of it. Mm. Oh, that's sad because I really like what they've done with Janine. And like, because it's funny, she was kind of like a party girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she got her eye taken out because she, she talked out of turn when she first arrived there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for her, her way of coping was like, I'm going to become a religious good girl. Good girl yeah. And she kind of acts like a child. But yeah. she still is like upset that she like can't be with her daughter and she can't be with that family. So it's it's really interesting like how much it has messed with her. But she actually does want to follow the rules. She's yeah, just very she, emotional. She wants that uh, approval from Aunt Lydia. Aunt Lydia is like her mom. Yeah, like, that she and that like comes from child. the books too. Like in the books, Aunt Lydia has a special bond with Janine and like tells her secrets that then Janine tells the other girls. <laughs> yeah, because she's like, oh, you guys are like my sisters. I tell you everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love Aunt Lydia though. She's like my favorite character to hate. I know. I have like such a love hate <laughs> with her. her. I love her so I, much. I think and hate the her. actress is yeah. just so good at She's it. She's like, so good. It's hard not when to she like. almost. Oh, never mind. <laughs> She's about to give me a spoiler. Well, no, we... no, no, them. I don't want to give them a spoiler. Well, I don't know. Are you gonna go past season one, Hannah? Um, I actually like last night read the synopsis for all the other episodes, so I sort of know what's going on. Oh, okay, I'm well, never gonna watch. I don't, show. I don't have Hulu, well in so season two, she like it. almost dies, you know, or yeah. it kind of like looks like she's gonna die, and I was like pretty upset. I was like, no, she's like the best part, one of the best parts of the show. Like, oh, I'm fine with her. I dying. love to hate her. No, I love to hate her though. <laughs> um, she's so good. Yeah, Emily. Emily goes at her and almost takes her out. Yeah, nice. I mean, nice. she basically yeah. has no use anymore. The she can't walk. Aunt Lydia? Yeah. Oh, she does eventually. Yeah, but I mean, it's hard for her. Yeah. Um, She's like a cockroach. She'll never die. <laughs> <Tanya. laughs> um, so, yeah, June and Moira, um, they've been friends since before. Since college. Since college and before, like, all this crazy stuff happened. And I kind of like that for them as friends. They've had a very, like, sisterly bond um like moira goes in her things and she just acts like she owns everything that june owns and etc um and they kind of are like very like teasingly and playful with each other um and i also then like that um moira then has like a a sisterly brotherly 
bond with Luke later too. Yeah, she kind of becomes part of their family. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you never really see Moira's family, but she is she's a lesbian in the book too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So gender traitor. So I'm wondering, like, if her family <laughs> accepts her, and if her family doesn't accept her, then maybe that's why Luke and and uh, June kind of take over and she kind of lives with them and kind of yeah it's a good point you know, like we you never, never see her family yeah we never see her family and then we later on discover that she decides to actually have a baby so she can sell it for adoption mm-hmm. um yeah. and then she ends up dating her doctor that helped her through the whole process so that was like her only form of family mm. um and, and that's we, all show stuff yeah it's yeah, all show stuff all show the mm-hmm. yeah i mean with moira you get the college years a little bit of the after college years um and and this is random i know um but i really think in the book at least she's got a a major crush on june's mom you really oh yeah oh yeah. you know i could not really remember seeing them in a scene together in a scene i don't know but in they're in a scene in together the, yeah. in the book there's a couple of times that she talks about her mom to her like your mom's like really cool i think she's really i don't even know if she uses the word cute or anything like that but it's really it's interesting because i'm i'm a dude so i read into it a lot more than other people i guess but <laughs> like that it's just something that i i noticed um and and, it, and i think it was because moira specifically said to june like you're not my type you know, I'm not attracted to you at all, so don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, and then they hugged and made up after that. Yeah, but then she does compliment June's mom a lot. Hmm. Well, so but I, June's I don't know. mom is like an activist. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they just have more in common because Moira's very much the rebel and, yeah. and June right. is so not what at all. So maybe Moira's that's type her. be? Yeah, maybe that's hot to her, you know. Maybe it's just like the older like person crush, like they're a mentor type thing. Yeah, it's like how looking up to her. Yeah, like the student likes the professor because like they're so smart and worldly and all that. Yeah, or she has mommy issues. She could have mommy issues. She could totally have mommy issues. Sorry. So, as far as what you guys have seen of Moira, I mean, because you guys haven't finished reading the book at all, right? Correct. And I, I, Hannah, I think you're the only connection here between the book. And the movie, and the show, and, yeah. Because in the book, Moira ends up somewhere, and I don't, I don't want to spoil it if it ends up coming in. No, later she goes, in the book. she goes to the Jezebels. Um, yes, okay. Because cool. she, she tries to escape, right? Mem- I don't know. She if tries the- to escape the Red Center with June. Yeah, does that happen in the book? So in the book, it's totally different. In, yeah. in the book, Moira escapes the Red Center by herself. Yeah. Oh. June's not involved at all. She just hears um, about it. And then they bring her back the first time, mm-hmm. and they whip her feet. And that's when all the other handmaids like smuggle her sugar and like pick her up and carry her to her classes and stuff, which mm-hmm. is very like solidarity type, yeah. type stuff. Um, and then the second time she tries, she does escape. And that's when she gets to the Jezebels. Yeah. After oh. a long, after a, a, after long a, while, journey. a long journey. I don't know. Again, I don't know what happens in the in the show. But I as I was reading it or rather listening to it, I I felt like. If I was doing a TV show, there would be a point where I'm having flashbacks and showing Moira run away. She gets away. And then I would. And if I was producing it or directing or whatever, the next episode or an episode or two after would be 
an entire episode about Moira's story ending up at the Jezebel. Oh yeah, in because there was there was a good story in there where she's going from you know one place to another. She's like she's dealing with different factions of religions yeah, that are hiding houses. her from you know the 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 rain not the rain the the eyes yeah uh fuck i can't think of the right word right now stop everyone stop looking at me <laughs> the guardian <laughs> ah! guardian the guardian regime the regime oh. sorry that's oh. i kept wanting to say rain that's not it um, well the reign of terror <laughs> so yeah. i i thought it was i thought it was really a really cool idea for an entire episode of a show so i was going to ask is that something that happens in the show do you see that yeah, some of it. It's not a whole episode, I don't think. And they only show her try and escape once before the Jezebels. Yeah. Um, so, like, the way it is in the movie or the show <laughs> is her June arrives to the center after Moira, and Moira is actually giving June tips on how to survive versus the other way around. Um, uh, like, yeah, yeah. like, um, and then the bathroom scene where they're talking through the hole, they're like already there and they've already planned this out and done it a bunch of times. But yeah. so then it's Moira's idea to escape and have them have her as a handmaid and then Moira as a Martha or not a Martha, an aunt, an aunt. And she gets away. And when June goes back, she's the one where her feet get um, whipped and yeah. they bring her like the sugar packets and stuff. So then it's yeah. it's up to June after that. Um, when she ex- gets away, nobody knows what's happened to her. There's rumors that she's dead. But then when June goes to the Jezebels with um, Fred, that's where she sees her there. Yeah. Um, and all Moira says is like, I got caught and they brought me here, but it's fine because there's plenty of drugs. And I just her have whole to- spirit's broken then. Though. Yeah. Like, which. Oh, see, that's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good. Her spirit's not broken at all in the book. Gotcha. Yeah. So her spirit's completely broken. And it's nice because then. Uh, June has to go back to the Jezebels to do something for Mayday and she Fred thinks it's to see Moira and they have this really good scene where now instead of Moira who normally always tells June to like keep her shit together it's Mm -hmm. now June telling Moira like now she's the strong one for Moira and she's like pulling her out of it and she's like get your shit together fight back yeah she like get the package and mm -hmm. get the fuck out of here yeah like she yeah yeah. I like that yeah Yeah. like they yell at each other it's yeah it's really good I, I mean, I like that more because mm-hmm. you see more development in Moira. Yeah. yeah. But I did I did like the book in the sense of like M- Moira, it seemed like Moira always wanted more out of life. And not that her spirit was broken, but that she finally like saw how the world was because she went on this this journey of her own escaping and moving and moving and moving Mm -hmm. and she finally got to a place where she's like look the world sucks and i'm just gonna make the best with what i got and she you know she does say like you know there's there's drugs there's alcohol here like you can actually live your life and you know there's lots of women and they (laughs) kind of prefer having sex with women because the dudes are all slobs Mm -hmm. and like maybe it's the optimist in me but I like that she's happy. Like I like that she's found a place that she's happy. She's like this. I want so her bad. to be happy. No, see, I think the whole point that they did in the show was by putting her in that situation where her spirit gets broken and she has no more fight or will. Um, when she does eventually get out and she goes and finds Luke in Canada 
I don't know if this is season one or two, so. I think it's um, at the end of season one. Right. So she finds Luke in Canada. And I think the whole point is that it drives her to want to fight back and to save others, which is why she ends up like helping the refugees in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just kind of a way to push her in that direction. Whereas if she didn't go through all that shit there, would she have done that when she left? Yeah, because everyone thinks you can't get out of Gilead. And so once she breaks that barrier and then um, others get out and stuff, it kind of proves to people that like they're not stuck in this this place forever and there is a way um, to fight back. Um, but I also like that the show gave her more of an arc and a fight. Um, I, I'm. It's similar to when we were doing Lord of the Rings Tolkien wrote like these very basic flat characters where like Aragorn's running around showing his sword and he's like, I'm yeah. the heir of the Salidor. I'm amazing. Yeah. But then Tolkien <laughs> But then PJ So shiny. Right? He's like, Look, orcs, you should be scared. Um But then like Peter Jackson took that and he's like, No, like he needs to be an actual guiding light for these people and to make them have hope that like there can be change. So we have to set up this arc for him where like he doesn't feel like he's destined to be the king and he doesn't know if he can actually live up to it and all that. Yeah. And so I think it's good that the show took that liberty and made it so that Moira had more of a fight because the book I think is just supposed to be more of this example of like it, the world has become this and this is what happens to these people. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually really happy with like all the fight and angst and the women that like they're not going to like stand down from this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. I, I, I agree. Like I said, I, I yeah. think it's cool what they did in the show. Mm-hmm. I was just happy for Moira in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, I guess like I think if I were to be stuck in any of these places in Gilead, I would <laughs> probably rather be a Jezebel because like if you... Isn't that- like if Isn't you that can't, what's sick about the book though? Yeah, like, like if you is, can't escape, do I want to be raped once a month and hopefully have a kid? Or do I want to go to a place and do drugs and have alcohol <laughs> and have sex with people I don't want and then have sex with people I do want? And it's like, well, I'm going to die at some point. Maybe I can speed it up. Like, uh, Yeah, it's it's pretty... It's like the world's worst would you rather. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'll take the kitchen staff one. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm oh, yeah, being a Martha right. would be. I'll be a Martha. <laughs> if I couldn't be a Martha, then I'd be a Jezebel. But yeah. All right. Martha now, before. Again. Anything before a fucking handmaid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. No, anything before the colonies. Oh, That's true, yeah. shit. Yeah. True, true. And so. Uh, a couple questions real quick. Yeah. The, I, now, this is a book right so i can't see them i don't know what it, it is in the show but martha's i thought i thought martha's were black is that not a thing it i haven't read enough for the book to say i thought they were doing a whole uh like racist it. thing where they're like black women are not allowed to have children only white people can have children now and black women are martha's I think there Wait. was some allusion to that. I can't remember if they were Martha's or if something else happened to them, but there was some racial undertone in the book. Which and is interesting because it's not like that at all in the show. You no, can the show stop. is like way diverse. Yeah. yeah, but you can sort of see that they did allude to it because um, it looks like majority of the, of the commanders are white men. Yeah. Yeah, they are. But like, you know, some of the handmaids are black. Yeah. Um, so there's, I did there's, like, I did find it interesting in season three, there's a a quick clip of um, Aunt Lydia with two other aunts sitting at a table and they're like reassigning handmaids and she makes a comment, oh, they don't want her, they don't want a black handmaid. Mm-hmm. So I think it is something mm. 
for some people, at least in the show. Yeah, so I think, because there are also some wives that are um, not white that are Are married to commanders. Yeah, there's a few in the ceremony when they do like the... um, the like the birthing and stuff the or? big baptism to like oh yeah so when the, they come in really quick you see there was like an asian wife and a couple other races okay so i think the show like tried to be really good at being diverse but then also hinting that like there are a bit of issues well i feel like if the human population really is dying they don't really care what color you are if you can produce kids <laughs> yeah. you're gonna be a handmade kind of a i thing, was right? just gonna make that point yeah. i'm like yeah. <laughs> Freaking stupid. Yeah, yeah, like you can't be picky. In a time when nobody can have babies, you're being picky about yeah. what color skin people can have babies. Yeah. And it was funny, though, because before we saw more Marthas, I did feel like a lot of them were women of color. But then we in season three, we start to see more of them are white, too. Mm-hmm. And they're also just like older women. And um, I think it's in season three, um, one of the Marthas says that, like, she was so happy she could cook. Otherwise, she would be... a a Jezebel. Hmm. Oh, um, it's oh, yeah. Commander oh, Lawrence's yeah, Martha. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, because she said she she couldn't have kids and she had no other skill, but because she could cook, she was saved to be a Martha. Nice. Which is really yeah, sad. Better f- freshen up on my cooking skills. I know. I, I, know, I thought about that for a second. I was like, oh, I you don't did. know how to make like amazing dishes. Fuck. You better get on that. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Tyler's like, I don't have to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Tyler's safe. I'm good. Yeah. As long as right. I don't play Scrabble, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you feel like in the book there's a lot of unity between the girls still like there is in the show? Uh, yes. Less, Me, at least. Less I rebelliously do. so. Mm. More the sneaky acts of kindness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I also think there's it's a certain kind of... Um, I don't know. There's... there's <clears throat> June does not like Janine. Like, as a person. She does not like her. In the book, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And nobody really trusts her in the book, even though she does tell them things that Aunt Lydia tells her. Like, they don't trust her, because they think she's feeding it back to Aunt Lydia. I would feel the same way. But there's a certain sense of, like, I don't know, there's there's this camaraderie that overcomes that. They're all rooting for them. Like, when there's a pregnant handmaid, they're, like, they're hoping that things go well, because I think they imagine that when they're in that situation... Like they're gonna want things to go well for them too, so they don't get, mm-hmm. you know, axed. And so I, I, I think it's a really interesting dynamic for these characters to have, where they are both rooting for each other and they dislike each other quite a bit, and distrust each other, and distrust each other. It's like being a sibling, honestly. And you have a terrible parent that, like, your sibling can both be your best friend and snitch you out to the parent at the same time and at the same time you're trying you're you're ultimately rooting for your sibling to do well in life but just like whatever just don't bother me though i don't know yeah that's that's kind of what i was seeing it literally to me was like a sisterhood i looked at it like i felt like margaret atwood took feminism and just like flushed it down the toilet right so no more feminists and then on top of that you have this group of women and basically, the society like makes them not trust each other when they should be trusting each other, right? Like the yeah. first, I just read the first 50 pages yesterday and it was entirely like, well, you know, I could trust her, but I don't, I don't, you know, they can't 
say anything to anybody because there's no trust there. And even though they're handmaids and they're going through the exact same shit, it's very interesting. Yeah, because it kind of it's 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 very much survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you know, um, June thinks that Emily, her first uh, walking partner, she thinks she's pious. But they're both just trying to prove that they're good enough because they don't know who's going to like tattle on each other. Sure. Yeah. And they don't want to end up on the fucking wall. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, interesting. I thought that dynamic was really interesting how they're especially in the book. They both reveal like they come to the understanding of like, oh, I thought you were a spy. Oh, I thought you were a spy. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you've always been so pious. Oh, you were always so pious. <laughs> and like they're doing it to each other. And there's there's. With each relationship, there's one moment where you put your life in their hands just to see what their response is going to be. And it happened with, um, uh, what's her name in, in the book? The the walking of campaign? Glenn. Of Glenn. Well, yeah, of Glenn in the book, and then Emily, Emily in, the show. in the show. And yeah, and then even with of Glenn's replacement. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, June. But it doesn't go well with her. Well, it. It doesn't go well, but even then, she still gets off, right? Because the replacement is like, stop talking to me. I know what you're talking about, and it ends here. Mm-hmm. You need to stop. And and so that girl even has June's life in her hands just with the one small thing that she did. So, like, it, it was super – the, the dynamics were super well done in that book, I think. Yeah, because I feel like it it was also a reflection of like what women are taught to do in today's society, like without us even being oppressed, like women are taught that you need to find a husband and you need to have a good job. So you literally have to like be a bitch to all the other girls because they're going to take the best male. And it's a zero sum game. Yeah. And so like growing up, girls are taught to not be nice to each other. And if you are nice, you either have an agenda or you're a lesbian. It's like, why are you talking <laughs> shit behind their back? Exactly. So it's, so it's just like, it was funny that she then, it showed that like it was still there and that like they still were like trying to be the best female ever. Yeah. In order Even in to, the wow. society where they should like be helping each other, mm-hmm. they're still competing. Like, yeah, competing. Yeah. I like how you put that too because the two people that she's friends with in the book are both like that. One has an agenda and one is a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's literally like what we girls are taught. Like, I remember um, I just started a job at Starbucks, and when Starbucks was still like cool, they had like <laughs> actual coffee training classes for us that we would go to for like three days, and we got to like taste test all the coffee and teas. And so when I got there, um, I was like kind of lost, and I didn't know where I was supposed to go in the building. And I found this girl and she looked like she was a part of it. So I asked her for help and I sat next to her. And then I was like, hey, do you want to get lunch? And she was raised from a very Catholic perspective. And she told me later on that she thought I was hitting on her. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I just don't. Hey, you're pretty. (laughs) Know anyone here and you helped me figure it out and I'd like an ally. Oh my God. And she legit thought I was hitting on her. And I was like, I just didn't want to eat lunch alone. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. Oh that's, that's awesome. Funny. And no, that's I was sad. and later on in life I was also actually trying to have more female friends because in high school I was like girls are bitches you can't trust them. Boys are way cooler. They don't have any drama. Yeah. And so like well, I wanted to have like a more female friendships and yeah, that's 
that's what we're taught. Yeah, I, I think that's really sad. I don't know anything about that. I am interested in this. Full <laughs> disclosure, all of my friends are like 40-year-old dudes, so I... I have no That's input weird, on this. That's weird, Hannah. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> girls don't like me. Why? I'm curious. Why do you think girls don't like you? Oh, I don't know. I just don't have any like close female friends here. So you have to ask me. one because I always ask, and for yeah. me, it's always the same answer. I don't know about you. What? Wait, have um, you ever asked a girl like why they didn't like you at first or something? Uh, it's usually because they think I'm too nice. And see, for what? me, it's like, well, you look like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow, yeah. that is some extreme yeah, yeah. that one. I have been told I have resting bitch face. So yes. it could be that. Yeah. I, and I maybe know. it's different because I've spoken to you, Hannah, but like, I feel like you're a very chill, no fucks. Like, you remind me of Crystal a lot. So I feel like you and I would get along really well. Like, you just seem super chill. So I don't know. Like, maybe girls find that intimidating, similar to Crystal. We're like you guys are just so chill that you don't feel like you need to put on this affront. So like yeah. your confidence is overflowing, so they're actually like insecure. So they're like, yeah, isn't that bitch. interesting? When you're a confident female, <laughs> when you're a confident female, other people don't like you. Other yeah. girls don't like you because yeah. that has always been like the number one thing I've gotten from other girls. You seem like a bitch because you were so confident, or you seemed like a bitch because you didn't just like, I don't know. Put on a nice face and blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got some weird so things. Yeah, yeah. It is sad. I yeah. think it's really sad. And the thing is, I've talked to Hannah a lot about how she needs to open up more because, <laughs> and not because she's closed off by any means, but because I'm so open. He's overflowing with <laughs> with personality. And I like telling stories, and I like making people laugh. So it just like. When when we have a conversation, eighty percent is of it is me trying to make Hannah laugh. He'd be a great girl. That's I would be a say. great girl. <laughs> <laughs> but and so like I've legit been like Hannah, fucking talk about something. Like open up, jeez. So yeah, that's why I started the podcast with her just so I could get just her to talk that. about herself. So I think what we're saying is is Crystal and I wouldn't make good connections in the Handmaid's Tale world. I think you guys would be good walking companions. <laughs> we'd, we'd yeah, be because it's like pious. you guys would actually. I would probably... be a great resistance fighter because I was just resting bitch face all the time. You can't tell what I'm thinking. Yeah, fuck I, all of you girls. I think you guys would probably break at the same time, and you'd probably both be like, "God, Janine's such a fucking brown noser." I would have been. <laughs> I honestly, I think I would have been fucking Emily when she like runs over people with the car. Yeah, yeah. Seat. I would have been like that. I would have been like, "Fuck you guys." I'm going to die. I don't know who I would be. I I had lots of thoughts about that while I was watching and reading this content. Like, it's a strange place to have to get in, like, that survival state. Yeah. I think I would have been beaten a lot because, like, I I speak my mind too much. Yeah. I probably would have been put up on the wall way sooner. (laughs) Oh, 100%. I'd be on that wall day one. Yeah. Day one. (laughs) I'd be like, what are you talking about? My wife got fired. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. She's not fired. You're fired. You know, that's a funny friendship thing, too. In the beginning, um, in the book, especially Moira was talking about after all the, the lesbians lost their jobs and weren't allowed yeah. to have bank accounts or whatever. They were like, oh, the gays will like do it for us. They have this like <laughs> friendly alliance. <laughs> I did find it really interesting, by the way. This is kind of random but um moira and emily who are june's friends in the show are both lesbians gender traitors i know it's just funny because there's like t- 
two totally separate storylines, right? Mm-hmm. But they both happen to be lesbians. They both happen to escape eventually. Yeah. And end up in Canada. I'm totally ruining it for you guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> ending up in Canada later on together. And Moira helps Emily out um, and helps raise the child that she brought up there. Um, but it's just interesting because, like, why did they... Is Emily lesbian in the... I don't think they said anything about it in the book. There is not even a slight hint. And trust me, obviously, I'm <laughs> yeah, looking, Tyler's for, looking stuff. for it. <laughs> it's just interesting that they decided to do it that way and that yeah. they became friends afterward. I liked, I really liked that. I thought it was like a good, like mm. almost um, mirroring arc in that sense. It's, you know? it's a yeah. good win for like the gay community. Yeah. Because like normally typical stories would make it that like your regular okay. straight white female would have had more of a victory. Yeah. Well, and I like it because, um, you know, Emily spends a lot more time, I feel like, in Gilead as a handmaid than Moira, obviously, right? Because Moira ends up in Jezebel's and then mm-hmm. she gets out first. So Emily goes through a lot more fucked up things, in my opinion, than Moira. Mm-hmm. So when she gets out, she is so messed up that Moira really helps her get through it in Canada. Oh, and yeah. work through her issues because she is like fucked up. She's They're talking about all the people they had to kill and stuff. and Like, I love it yeah. because Luke can't stand her being there because technically June should have gotten away. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother thing. But so when he sees Emily, he's just like pissed and he wants her to leave. And Moira keeps basically telling Luke, shut the fuck up. You don't know what she's been through. (laughs) Yeah. I need you to chill and leave, leave the room. Yeah. (laughs) Like she puts it happens. It is. Do you think that that's a, a moment in the show where it's kind of a commentary of like, men in general shut the fuck up you don't know what what women are going through um no i like that though i like I'll, that, I'll take that. Yeah. but i actually didn't take it that way i took it more of um i that's just who moira is like she is a strong person and she speaks her mind mm-hmm. and um luke isn't luke was never there so he, he can shut the fuck up yeah, and luke isn't actually like he's being a dick but he's not being like aggressively disrespectful to Emily. He's just like prying passive. Yeah. He's like prying, asking questions. And so like, it's super chill. But the thing is like, I was thinking about it while I was watching the show is I like, okay. So say you were crystal was June and me and Jason were stuck in Canada, which is crystal's husband. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever be that aggressive towards Jason simply just because of our our like current like relationship as friends because like even showing the progression like the friendship between Luke and Moira it's almost like they in a friendly way compete for like June's affection Mm -hmm. like they're in the hospital and uh, June's giving birth to Hannah and Moira's like oh I got a playlist I want to play and Luke is like actually no I have one and she's like no one wants to listen to your garbage and June's like I like his garbage and she's like are you fucking kidding me like she's so upset that she like lost that battle Mm -hmm. so it was a very interesting like sort of like uh circle of friendship those three have with each other but they're both like always competing for June because Moira's like I had June first like and then you fucking came in here that's how it was with us yeah yeah um but it could just also 
Oh, I was just going to say in the book, no, uh, Moira didn't approve of, of their relationship. So that oh. was always like a tense thing. And yeah. that could be a thing that they hinted at in the show because they did. Yeah. All they said was that Moira wouldn't approve of June being with Luke because they were having mm-hmm. an affair. Um, oh, that's right. I and then about all of this later on, she's just more like <laughs> aggressive towards him in scenes. And so that could be her passive of like, I don't approve you because you fucking cheated and left your wife. So if you hurt June, I will fucking kill you. But put all that aside, though. Mm -hmm. If I was Moira and I got Mm -hmm. out of there and I was taking care of Emily and Luke was there, every time he would start talking about Gilead, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. You were not there. Like, you don't get get an opinion on it. He didn't even get to be in there. You know, he escaped. He he has zero opinion on it. You cannot be rude to people when when they're fucking refugees. Yeah, so I don't (laughs) necessarily think it's on a, a commentary of like, because the, the whole point is just that they want everyone to be equal again in society. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's what Crystal's saying is that he just didn't experience Gilead. Like, he has no idea what she went through. So, like, it is her own fucking timeline. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't a good ally in the beginning either. In the in the book, they talked about how, like, when they were uh, shutting down women's bank accounts or whatever, he told June basically, like, oh, don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. And uh, yeah, when I'll she got fired, he was like, oh, it's okay. I make... I'll, I make money anyway, so you yeah. don't really need a job. Right, not the point. So like, <laughs> yeah, <not> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Which yeah. is also then why I like um, her mom makes a bunch of references like you have so much fire and passion. I can't believe you're just all going to put it into your husband and stuff like that. And it sh- they do kind of paint June originally in before Gilead that she was very much like life is fine. Luke's taking care of me. Like, I don't really need to do anything. And so I actually think now that she's become more of a fighter in Gilead because she's reflecting on like all the things her mom taught her and she fought so hard against. And she's like, I don't have anyone here for me. Like Luke is not here. So I have to do everything on my own now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I going back, I know it's, it's going back a little bit, but to go back to your point of how women are expected to treat each other, I think that that's really relevant right now because I've seen it quite a bit in, you know, big movies and media of, you know, kind of trying to break that. Um, I was really impressed. I know this is going to be controversial. I was really impressed in the newest Star Wars movie. Oh, my God. Um, I love you. I was just going to say <laughs> that, too. <laughs> um, where... Uh, Ray and I don't even remember her name. The the girl that Poe is in love with, uh, Carrie Russell's character. Yes. Uh, oh know. oh oh wait no no the Poe I don't know who these characters are. Is Poe the uh, black actor Spider-Man or Spider-Man. or Isaac? Isaac. Isaac. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And he's so, in love with the Carrie Russell's yeah. character. Yes. Yeah. So in when they first meet, you know, they're like, oh. They're after you, so maybe we should just get you. And then they, they fight really quickly. And then, and like, I feel like in a lot of older movies or, um, I don't know, in, in a different time, they would have continued that rivalry. They would have been like, oh, well, you know, you're not as good as me or something like that. But very quickly, they, she's like, you know, just so you know, I think you're all right. And then they're friends, like immediately. And I thought that was really cool. That stuck out to me the first time I watched it because I was like, that's that's so against normal plot devising where usually they pit women against each other. And and I've been seeing it more and more and more where it's like, no, women can just be friends. Mm -hmm. And um, there's the I think it's called the vector test. 
I can't remember now. I can't remember now. I'm really sorry. But there's this there's this idea that a story's only good if two women can have a conversation that is more than three. Oh, that doesn't yes. involve men. That does yes. not involve a man. Mm-hmm. And I think it's huh. the coolest theory, like the coolest that. idea. Mm-hmm. And to the point where now when I'm writing my books, I am specifically writing stuff in like that because I have seen it so much where I've watched a movie and been like, there's not one conversation between two women where they're not talking about a man. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, and when you when you see it, like it pops out at you, and it's it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but sometimes you don't recognize it. You're like, why did I like that scene? And you're right? Like, yeah, oh, I didn't yeah. pick up on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't pick up on that in the new Star Wars. I was talking to her about it last time we hung out because she has her issues with the new Star Wars. But the one thing I love about <laughs> the one thing head. don't get me started. The one thing I like about the the three new Star Wars movies, the trilogy, was that yeah. it's a female lead. And yeah. that that is what kept me watching it sure. entirely. Like, I don't really care that much about the old ones. You guys can shoot me now. But <laughs> I I love it because it's Ray and she's a kick-ass girl. Like, that's she why is. I watch it, you know? And I, I do think Ray is super kick-ass. I think that we were definitely benefited um, by a lot of issues with JJ. But um, <laughs> I think that one of the things that we were graced with with JJ is that he does come from Felicity um, and alias oh, yeah. female leads and alias. So he has worked yeah. with a lot of female leads and um, he is very feminist in his approaches. And so I think that that was something that he gave us, but I won't go down the rest of the things he did to those. Yeah. Boys. Remember this, this episode's on handmaid's tale, not <laughs> yeah. star Wars. Yeah. I did suggest that by the way, when we were going through our season two like, stuff, no. I was like, can we do the new star Wars movies? No. <laughs> no. It would be a good episode for you guys though. I mean, uh, okay, if outside. you want to know anything about me, Tyler, I, I said this when we were talking uh, the other night. Lord of the Rings is king. Harry Potter is prince. <laughs> and I agreed. Star Wars well, doesn't even have, exist. You have an we entire have podcast where you're talking about best friends and you're, you're not going to talk no. about Luke and Leia, uh, Han oh. and Luke. Oh. Uh, <laughs> even if you go with the new saga... Poe and Finn are super best friends. I don't and care really because good. there's not enough completed scenes between Obi-Wan, them. Obi-Wan <laughs> no. and Qui-Gon Jinn. moments Jin. last for like two seconds. They're not completed <laughs> scenes. They are moments. Yeah. Nothing's developed. We always Obi-Wan make the argument Star Wars, Star Wars is not a full Star Wars is not a full like world. No. You know? It's Your not Lord of the Rings. computer's about to go dark. Just oh. so you know. It's been 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. gotta get up and fix it. Um. So I think uh, I know we were going to talk about like Emily in June, but I just want to jump over to Emily when she's in the colonies, which I was really happy the show finally showed the colonies because I didn't understand what the colonies was. And I really wanted to know. And they just expressed that it was a really bad place that you don't ever want to go to. Yeah. So it was nice to get a visual of it. And when Emily's there, because she has a background in biology, she essentially takes on the role of being like the caretaker, like the caretaker and like the doctor to all the women there mm-hmm. and I think that's really cool because when Janine goes to the colonies um, or no not Janine it's the um, one of the the wives comes yeah and when oh. all the women see her and the way the women act when she walks in they act oh, like they it's a fucking her. but they act like a prison yeah they like yeah. 
take her bed away from her. They fuck with her shit. Oh, my God. Um, and so that was then also a very interesting element that they put into the show. And I don't know if it was in the book, but... Not even a little bit. Nope. <laughs> yeah, like, I've seen how in, in TV shows, how men in prisons act towards each other. But women are very territorial. They're very catty. Like they will make it horrible for you. And so it's just really interesting that they treated the colonies like prison. Yeah. Um, um, I'm going to make myself sound really stupid right now, but um, this is bad. no such thing. This is bad. Um, so the <laughs> colonies, the colonies in the show, right? It's like this desolate place. There's like fumes coming up out of the ground. And until you made me watch that recap yesterday, I had never put it together that it was like a place that had been nuked. Until the guy said that. I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Why is that place killing them? Oh, it's because it was nuked. I had no idea. Yeah, which like, there's no reason understand. to like dig up the dirt because it's forever going to be poisoned. That's just like a form of punishment. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I just didn't pick up on that. I don't understand why, but it's totally no, Isn't that Falcon. sort of like why everyone started going infertile though? Because like there was so much nuclear stuff going on and other they don't really say that i thought it was more like I, the planet was dying and just the pollution was what was causing i actually think it's because uh, men were going infertile because they kept making comments that men were sterile sorry not infertile infertile for women so that the men were <laughs> sterile like the doctor when he comes in to see june he yeah. says like i can impregnate you most of the commanders are not sterile and also but all the wives are infertile um, no, I think I think some of the wives are not getting pregnant because the men are sterile and because the men don't want to admit like it's similar back in like, oh. you know, during when we had kings and stuff like that. If the, the woman's woman, fault, it was always the woman's fault. And so I actually think there was a decline in the men becoming sterile and therefore then it was women you mean more, the, an increase in them becoming sterile. Yes, sorry, an increase okay. in them becoming sterile. Don't so, explain it, Tyler. No, I wanted to make sure I understood what you were <laughs> no, saying. Yeah. I keep mixing up sterile and infertile. <laughs> um, so yeah, there is an increase in the men becoming sterile, but because they believe that they are literally God's gift to the world, that they sure. can do no wrong, yeah. um, they put it on the women. And so they're like, we have to make sure we get all of like our fertile women. And I actually think that... Um, Serena could get pregnant, but she's only been with Fred her whole life. And oh. so she assumes that she can't get pregnant because like the women aren't fertile anymore. And it's like, no, I think that there were a ton of men going sterile. So as the yeah. commander's way of being like, I can have sex with my wife and this other girl. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 100%. It is a uh, misogynistic yeah. uh, reign of terror that creates a system where men can and should i air quotes i can do air quotes with you guys but the yeah. listeners should be having sex with as many women as possible mm -hmm. like it, mm -hmm. it's 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 just an excuse to get off like that's literally all it is yeah but so like when they say jacob and you know there's stupid things in the bible sorry no offense um <laughs> Offense. Are we are we ready to get into that topic to, of conversation? Because to I am right in front of it. No offense there, but it's the thing they say constantly. Jacob and and Rachel and all the handmaids. Like for all we know, all of Jacob's handmaids could have been getting impregnated by other men because they didn't want to die. Yeah. 
because that's literally like what it came down to. Like if you did not have a baby, you were worthless and we just should kill you. That's why so many women during back in the heyday, what I forget what this, these eras were called. Now I'm sounding stupid, but like. <laughs> are we talking Bible times? No, like when uh, there were kingdoms and like kings ruled and all that. Okay. Like medieval? Medieval, Renaissance. Yeah. Like those are, women. Those are big difference. Mesopotamia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like women would get in trouble if they found out they had sex with another man, but they simply did it because they wanted to get pregnant because otherwise they would be killed. Sure. Oh, like Henry VIII's wives. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because like you don't get the pregnant, men, die. yeah, they're fucking sterile. Yeah. And a lot of them, like in the book, the commander's actually really fucking old. So of course it's going to be even harder for him to have a child. Yeah. Yeah. And in the book, Serena's really fucking old too. Like, let's get real. Yeah. In the show, yeah, totally I, different. I saw, but. I saw a picture of the cast. And who do they have playing Serena? Some young hot chick. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing Younger. though. She's I do so love her. That role. But that's but the I, thing. I didn't understand that. I was like in my head when I'm listening to this book, it's a, it's an old lady. Yeah. She has a cane and stuff. And yeah. she was from before the war. She was like an activist for conservatism. So yeah. how can she be? How can she be so young? I think they just kind of condensed the timeline for the show a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. They changed yeah. a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, which I, I'm happy with all of like the the Casting. liberties that they took mm-hmm. in the show because I think it's more relatable. Yeah. Um, the one plot thing they did that I hate is, <laughs> and I don't know if you guys, it's at the end of the book, so you may not have read the part, but in like the first episode where the handmaids all stoned that dude to death, mm-hmm. do you mm-hmm. remember that? Yeah. So in the book, he didn't do anything wrong. He nope. was part of the resistance and yep. they framed him. And of Glenn slash Emily, she like rushes in and kills him before everybody else can. Like, she doesn't kill him. She she knocks oh. him out. So she she so knocks he, him out. Yeah. So he won't like suffer. Basically. Oh. Yeah. So watching the show, that was like the first thing I was so pissed off. I'm like, why did you do this? Yeah, I thought that was a good Emily moment. Yeah, that is really, really interesting. Um, and it's the I, reason why she got killed. Yeah, in the book. Okay, but I kind of do like how Emily or not Emily, um, June thinks that, um. uh, I can't talk today Moira is dead and so she can't do anything about it and so she takes it out on this guy but she doesn't actually want to hurt him but it's just an option for her to have a punching bag which was also an interesting scene I agree yeah but that would have been interesting to have in the show but I based on everything else that's written I don't know how it would fit in I don't know yeah yeah um but Emily also doesn't die in the show, so. Yeah, I like that Emily is still alive. Yeah, yeah, it's just another yeah. point of drama that they can have. So and I don't know works. that we know that she died in the book. She just disappeared. And because the books are only from June's point of view, you just yeah. don't know what happens That's to true. anybody else. That's a good yeah. point. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in season three, this is like a little bit of a spoiler, but um, June starts working with the Marthas to help them with the resistance. And so it's really interesting that there there are comments made that the Marthas aren't trusting the handmaids anymore before June rebonds them. Yeah. And so it's even interesting that um, everyone in their like separate category, like their separate jobs and their women, they also don't want to like align with each other and help each other out. Uh, yeah. But the Marthas are actually very bonded more so than the handmaids. Well, because the Marthas are like the ones that gossip and find out all the dirty secrets. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they're in the household the most. Yeah, know? like they're always in the rooms with the meetings and stuff. Yeah. 
Do yes. you think they're able to bond more because there's less competition between them? Mm. Um, I don't... Or the stakes are lower? The stakes are lower, but I also feel like they have less opportunity to bond, right? Because they're kind of stuck in the house Yeah, most of the time. They like, only see each other when they run errands or they do laundry or stuff like that. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and maybe because like, I think some of them actually... I think some are jealous of the handmaids and then some also look at them as like, how could you do that? Even mm. though like they know it's they like, didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think there is some jealousy because like handmaids are a little spoiled because they can't, they have to stay healthy to make sure they can get pregnant. Yeah. Huh. I would like to see, cause in season three, is it season three or when, when June goes to commander Lawrence's house. So I don't know if that's season three all that yeah but um they show the marthas doing the they're like really into the resistance and i'd love to see how they operate like how they have their connections and talk about the resistance because they don't really ever show any of that yeah i want to know who's assisting them because it sounds like it's actually all the men who still have like the regular basic like blue collar jobs the econo yeah econo husbands or whatever Yeah, yeah it's like all the jobs that are like delivery trucks and construction and all that it's like because they have to go to those facilities to get things from them they're all still in communication and i think those are the men that are helping them but yeah i would i that's just me guessing though and so i would like to see more of how their whole system works (laughs) Um, i I think everyone like you build a world and all people want to see is how the systems work like that's what fantasy (laughs) is built on how does the magic system work how does the kingdom system work you know, sci-fi is the exact same way. So I think that's that's the general idea. And I think it's interesting. Handmaid's Tale as a book touches on it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it shows this is how the system could be in this situation, this situation, this situation. Whereas the movie dramatizes it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The show. Yeah. yeah sorry. The show. Not yeah. the movie. <laughs> it's thing. a damn movie. Whatever. <laughs> it's a really long movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never ending. Yeah. Never ending. There is also, I want to, I, I don't know if you got this far, but um, did you get to where like Commander Waterford and his wife go to DC in the show? It's in season three. No. Oh, okay. Because there's like. The, you can spoil it for me because I need to not have any emotions like, attached this to this show. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't that exciting, but it's really exciting to me. He like stays at this one commander's house and he's like the head of DC or whatever, right? Like he's number one there. And Waterford is like kind of number one in Gilead. And the guy is like hitting on him the whole time. Like he's doing all these like sexual, <laughs> like, like he is clearly wants to have sex with Fred. And I'm just wondering how that's all going to play out. But you haven't gotten there yet. So no, I did. Just like, or whatever? What, what I really like is yeah, that like, as you were happen? talking about how, how a guy was hitting on another man. You were molesting Allie I, over I there. Like, it's fine. let me show you what was happening. Let me show you. They were playing pool, and he put his. <laughs> There's lots of butt slaps yeah, that happen over here was, all the yes. time. It's there fine. was like a, it's like a football. There team was a weird something. knee yeah. grab. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's funny when um, Commander and Serena go to Canada to try and make like um, like a treaty with them, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. One of the like officials in the Canadian government, he comes up and he's like, I really enjoy the U.S. visiting there. And the commander's like, oh, yeah, tourism is something we really want to bring back. And he's like, yeah, me and my husband 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting there and he's like well you guys should definitely return he's like hmm, maybe when we actually feel safe and wanted we'll be there yeah. and i was like oh yes the burn and that's funny too yeah. though because i just read you know just started reading it and there's like a, a tourist group that they talk yeah, about the yeah Japanese like asian tourists. tourist group and i'm like what the fuck that's not in the show <laughs> yeah that was really weird um, i think for me the reason why she put it in or this I think she put it in just to show how fucked up this specific area is. It is not the yeah. whole world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and to show how helpless they are because they that too, they yeah. can't be like help me. Yeah. Where they're like, are you yeah. happy? Yeah. Of course I'm happy. Yeah. What it's like how'd be no? if we could go to North Korea. Ooh, and oh, that yeah. was the thing that really pissed me off was when um who was it the president of somewhere in South Mexico. America? Oh yeah. yeah. She she comes and she asks um, June if she's happy. And of course, everyone's staring at June. So she lies. But then later on, she tells her and she's like, I can't help you because we haven't had babies in so long. And it's like, you bitch, you yeah. actually acted like you cared and you were a feminist. But you're like, I just really want babies because my community's dying. So I'm yeah. fine with enslaving you and shipping off a bunch of you over there. And it's like, oh, you monster. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was furious. When that yeah, happened. that was a, an upsetting scene. Yeah. yeah. Something That's similar happens in season three. I did three. not get upset. <laughs> yeah. With uh, oh. Switzerland. With Switzerland in season three. Something. I haven't gotten to the Switzerland. I was thinking about what happened in Chicago. So you guys, you guys haven't read the book. You haven't finished the book. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't. Uh, it's not a spoiler. The, it's fine. It's not. The, the book, the end of the book is very interesting. Hannah, you finished it, right? Yes. And it very much confused me the first time. Really? Like, you mean the afterward, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Like, I had no idea what that meant the first time. That made the entire book for me. Really? I was like, meh, about the book. And then as I finished it, as I was finishing that, I was like, this... This is so much better. So I'm going to sum it up real quick then. Uh, yeah. the, the book ends sort of similarly to the first season of the show with um, like a, a black van pulling up and Nick basically telling uh, Alfred, uh, Fred or uh, June to get in. Um, yeah. But then the book just ends there and you don't know like if That's it was it. the resistance or if it was more the eyes. Because after that in the show, that's when they go and pretend to hang all the girls to teach them a lesson. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But like it it just ends with her getting in the van and you're like what the hell? And then there's an afterward yeah. where there's all these these like scholars. They're yeah, say? professors and scholars, all of that. Yeah, and they're like they're at a conference. They're they're talking about it and the the gist is like that her like she gave an oral account of of her time as a handmaid yeah. and it got oh. like memorialized somewhere and they're discussing Not memorialized. That. It so she she made she she like made recounted a recording. What you're reading is a transcript of her oral um, account. Like she's testifying. Yeah, mm. but like a long time later. Like, okay. like, and then and then what they found, how they transcribed it, they found the audio logs long lost. Mm-hmm. Like we would find something from eras uh, before. Yeah, probably not as far back like the Egyptians, but more like from World War One or World War Two. And we go into a bombed facility and like imagine we go to a uh, an old concentration camp that got bombed or something. And then we f- 
found a diary mm-hmm. of someone. Like Frank? Oh, yeah, yeah like I, was try, yeah. I was trying not to do that, but yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, found it's the most a, obvious one. <laughs> yeah. Found a diary of someone who was in the concentration camp, and then all the scholars have this great, they're like, oh, my God, look at all this information. It is exactly the same setup. They found these audio tran- or audio logs and then transcribed it for everyone, and what you're reading is that. Yeah. So my question is, these scholars that are talking about it, are it, what... Are, is it like still Gilead? Are these people that were never in Gilead? No. Do they so say anything about it? They're they're talking well, about it is it like still af- Gilead. It's isn't still it? Gilead, but like they they've reverted back yeah. toward toward what Gilead was before. So it's like they've kind of taken down that regime. Yeah, the regime okay. is gone. Interesting. But it's it's Gilead, and it's and even there's even uh, a reference that uh, it's a. Uh, um, son of a polytheistic um belief oh. system that they've oh. gone to because he the the professor that's giving the speech i believe says like you know and and thank the goddess of knowledge that we found this mm. um hmm. so that we can spread it and we can and see what the gileads of old actually oh, had weird. to live through it's very it's interesting. super interesting. But then she throws in like hmm. this little like depressing thing. Like one of the professors makes a sexist comment to one of the female professors and you're like, oh shit. Like, oh, I didn't even catch that. Completely. What was that? I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it's something in the end, like one of the male professors says something offhand sexist and you're just like, damn it. Oh, mm-hmm. History repeating itself. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> Do any of her other books like talk about like. I'm like looking at the book right now, right? Yeah. And it has oh. all of her other. I'm like wondering, are any of the other books that she wrote? Like, no, because I think that was the big deal with the Testaments, which came out last year. Like that was the first sequel or whatever. Oh, okay. But my understanding is that it's not about June at all. At all. It's about a whole different cast of characters. I think Aunt Lydia's in it and then like uh, one handmaid and then one person on the Canadian, Canadian side of the border. Side. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. A Canadian like princess or someone, heiress yeah. or something. She comes into Gilead and sees it and oh, gives are you testimony. No, nah, I've read about it though. Because oh, okay. I wanted to know if it continues <laughs> the right. story. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see how her other books read. I have yeah. no idea how they read. She's written so many. I know. Right. Um, start. I would definitely say though that I feel like the Emily and June friendship is really important um, because they kind of start the whole thing of like handmaids need to be allies to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they really start that and also like they need to learn to trust each other. Um, and also just be kind to each other regardless of like when shit goes down, like we're all in this together. I think and then, June shows that really well with, with Janine too, just how tender she is with her when yeah. she's totally losing her shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, um, I also feel like Emily really ignites, at least in the show, ignites june into the resistance mm-hmm. like june's just kind of like she's, i guess i'm fucking stuck like this and then <laughs> of glenn of glenn's like hey dude look we can do some shit you just gotta tell yeah. me what's happening at waterford's house so yeah she, she kind, kind of, of is like a it. like a shadow of her mom and gets her going again yeah which is june needs those strong female friends yeah mm-hmm. and i like seeing that because alexis bladell on the show she she has such a cute baby face. So she like looks so <laughs> sad and just like whatever half the time. But then when she actually is like running people over or trying to kill other, <laughs> like trying to kill Aunt Lydia later, you're like, fuck, she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh like God. a side note, I didn't ever think that like Rory Gilmore would leave my brain, but like 
dear God, she's fucking Emily in this yeah. show. Like she's terrifying and I love her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Moira and June, I love their friendship just because they've known each other for so long. They have a very like sisterly bond. And I think that they, they keep each other fighting. Like mm-hmm. I feel that Moira is fighting for the refugees because she wants to hopefully one day get June out and she wants to be strong for June and and vice versa like Moira is the one who lit the fire in June to like keep her shit together and like continue to fight yeah yeah and so I think that's like a also an important friendship to have I feel like I'm sorry we got to go back to Emily for a second because I got to cover this you guys haven't seen this but in season two right um June has a baby with Nick, Nick the driver right mm-hmm. um Serena's baby but she ends up trust she ends up trying to escape with Emily and she ends up trusting Emily with her child and says take it to Canada and she stays back to find Should. her other child I'm just saying that's serious trust right there no, that to is. give your baby to your friend and be like go you you got this. I'm like <laughs> I'm like fine with that. I'm just mad she didn't get on that fucking truck. Yeah, she she got really. Angry. Hannah was fine. She texted me like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I would have loved to seen the show where they're all in Canada figuring out how to save Hannah. Yeah, but, Hannah you know, had time. Yeah, she's, she's fine. She's not at risk fucking of being handmade yet. Oh, the show man. doesn't have to end just because June is like rescued and in Canada. Anyways, yeah. very <laughs> upset about this. Um, but yeah, that was a huge trust that June did because she knew Emily had a good heart and that she like she was a mom. She had her son over there like she would do whatever it took to make sure that like she stayed alive. Yeah. Um, That's some serious trust. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Take I my baby. I think it's go. really interesting. It's it's two different types of, of friendships, I think. Like like with me, I, I have my best friend, um, John, and John and I are best friends because we can argue like for hours and never be mad at each other but we argue about shit like <laughs> like god and and you know like which is the best doctor who and is the last <laughs> jedi a good movie or not and the existential eternalism of our souls like we jump around with the most random shit and we're arguing at the top of our lungs and and then at the end of the day we love each other because we're keeping each other accountable and all that and i think that's more like a moira and june sort of thing but then like with my older brother he and i are best friends and when i have kids he's going to be the godfather because i wouldn't trust my kid with anybody else and and so i think that you can have two best friends who give you different things, who have different, you have different relationships. And I think that's exactly what we see. I mean, from what you're telling me, I, I don't see that in the books at all, like literally at all. But it, from the from the way the TV show sounds, that's exactly how my life is, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something that Crystal and I discuss on our show a lot, is that like you can have multiple best friends and they're all unique and it's a different type of relationship and it's important that you have those different branches of friendship because you're not going to get necessarily the same thing from every person yeah and because everyone's different too and those friendships are born out of different parts of your life right Mm -hmm. like moira was her friend before gilead was a thing right whereas Mm -hmm. emily is born out of being in Gilead and going through this shit together. Mm-hmm. So entirely different friendships and the way they start mm-hmm. and why yeah. they start. Yeah, you know? and therefore it creates different bonds. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so then it's it's important for June to have both of those and it doesn't discredit either friendship. Yeah. I hope there is a scene one day 
where June gets out and she's sitting with both of them in Canada. And I would like to see how that goes, the three of them. <laughs> that would, oh, I would Maybe love Moira it. and Emily will be best friends by that point and they'll just be like, June who? Right. Yeah. Well, they, I liked the last that would be an episode thing. I saw in season three had them um, hanging out together in Canada and Moira was just kind of like helping um, Emily get through her emotions of getting out and stuff and they were like comparing lesbians that they used to know and they're like how did we not know each other we were both lesbians in college we have no apparently maybe this is a thing i don't know but she was saying you know every lesbian knows a lesbian between like like seven degrees of kevin bacon it's but for lesbians like and I it's was a like, thing lesbian. my friend yeah, one of so. my friends uh she's lesbian and she's she feels like they all need to know each other and should. Yeah, like she that has is a, a conversation they have. She's like, you don't know that person? You don't know that? Well, how does this, how did this happen? Yeah, like yeah. she has a whole clan of like her lesbian friends. Like I, whenever I go to her, like her house for like events for birthdays and stuff, I'm the only straight person there. <laughs> and she's like, Ali, you should feel really special because I just don't hang out with straight people. They're annoying. <laughs> yeah, so it's apparently like. The, the, it, it's a thing, I guess. You, you know everyone in your community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's similar. Like the other day I was realizing that, and this just happened like accidentally, I don't really have any single friends anymore. Oh, what? Mm. Yeah, and it, it was more that like I became friends with people while they were single and then they ended up becoming in a yeah. couple or I became friends with someone and didn't know that like they had a significant other and, but yeah, like. It's that age though. It's just yeah. the age thing. Like I, all of my friends went through the getting married, not all of them, but you know, mm -hmm. most of them went through the getting married phase. And just the other day I was on my feed on Instagram and I go, what the fuck? Every single friend of mine has a baby now. Like, how did I get to this point in my life? Like, cats, cats, like, cats, cats, cats. This cats, is cats. so weird. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Yeah. Um, I know. Cause I've, that age. I've been like listening to a bunch of different podcasts and like women interviewing women and majority of them are like 30, 32, 35, and they're all talking about like their first pregnancies. And I'm just like, what? Pass. <laughs> That's what, is this what we talk about now at this age? And two of yes. my best friends, like both have babies. One's pregnant with her second one. And I'm like, I'm not even married yet. Like this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're behind the times, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Hannah's okay. my only single friend, so. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I could keep you uh, keep you in touch with the single community. Yeah, well, you, know, right. you got to know sucks. someone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would definitely say that Crystal is my Moira. Um, I guess my Emily would be like my friends, Ivy and Sarah, because I met them like after I moved to L.A., and I guess I akin it to that because like when you move to a new city, it's really hard to make friends. Yeah, it's true. Especially when you're an adult. People yeah. just like don't want to do it's the work. It's so much harder. Yeah. Like unless you, you either... make friends at the workplace. Like Yeah. It's like work or gym. <laughs> That's usually it. Well, yeah. How do you make friends? gym friends? I never want to talk to anybody <laughs> at the gym. Yeah, well, no, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that because I don't actually go to a gym, but I like go to a karate studio and I met friends that way. So yeah. oh, <laughs> that seems a little more approachable because like you're, you're there you're doing with something them. together. Yeah. You're not yeah. like on I have the to hit you in the face. Are we, are we friends? It's like partner work kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. So yeah. yeah. Um, Anna, so Anna, do you have a Moira and Emily? I don't. Well, what? I mean, I know they have penises, but she it still has counts. forty year old Moira. Right? Yeah. Emily. Oh. Nah, it's too. It's too hard to think of them as as a Moira or an Emily. <laughs> I guess my Moira would be my sister because she's like way more outgoing and bold than me and. That kind of thing. Mm. Cold? Uh, 
No, bold. bold. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the cold one. <laughs> but yeah. Am I your Emily? No. Damn it. No. <laughs> no, because. Just well, let him maybe. be your Emily. <laughs> I, I was about Emily, to right? ask. I, I literally went through my head. All right. This is, this is fucked up. I went through my head of all the guys in that fucking story. And I was about to ask if I was any of them. Right. Of Fred? No. Fuck no. Uh, or not of Fred. 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 No. Fuck no. Luke? No, because we're not going to get married. And Nick? No, because we're not going to have a fucking affair. Like, you and I would not, could not be friends in Gilead. We can't exist in Gilead. Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, well. I'm sorry that we can't exist in I a think horrible dystopian society. Now that I'm thinking about it, now that I'm on this commentary, if there's anything about that book I don't like, it's like... <laughs> It's that you can't have just a guy friend. It's that there's no guys that that's are just true. Friends. No platonic relationships. Nope. I mean, no, that's it's the all... point of the book. Yeah. yeah. Girls like... are just there to have babies mm-hmm. and be a not, wife. Not good for anything else. <laughs> Bullshit. Can't read or write. All, all the good guys, all the friend guys, the friend zone guys, they they end up on the friends. wall. They should just call the wall the friend zone. <laughs> right? I'm gonna start saying that. I'll be like, I yeah. put that dude on the wall. <laughs> that sounds so sexual, though. You should not say oh, that. No, no we because we get what it means. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's well, you gotta thoughts? fuck to survive. Closing Ooh, thoughts. Here's my closing thought. We're gonna go yeah. for another after uh, now another hour after it. <laughs> this was not Christianity. Because the real Christians were the rebels. Just throwing that out Ooh. there. Yeah. Yeah, weren't you going to talk more about, about I thought Tyler was going to talk more about the Bible-related stuff. I can, but we're at an hour and a half. Do you guys want to talk oh, about that? Shit. Well, I think um, 15 minutes of that is set up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the first 15 yeah. probably is like yeah. Okay, do around. the 45-second Bible spiel. Yeah. My yeah. Ty Ty the Bible guy yes. thing? Okay. Uh, and Allie, you you said that you had grown up uh, doing some some of that Christian stuff. Not some. I was. Uh, you were I, in it. I signed a purity contract, but boy, did I break that! What the that. fuck? I oh, didn't know yeah. that. God. I didn't know that. I, I got. Oh not yeah. To, I, not to one I would you. not have sex what? with anyone until I got married. But guess what? I lost it before that, and I'm happy you about know the, it. Hold on. You want to know the one memory I have of your church? I went to her church once with her. I don't remember how old I was. It was like Easter or something, and there was a magician there for the nice. kids. What? That's what I remember. That was yeah. it. That's all okay, I remember. Okay, so it. like one of the few things <laughs> I, like, Fuck yeah, it's a I magician. actually <laughs> liked about church is we had this thing called Awana. Oh yeah, base- we have Awana. You- yeah, so it's basically it? like Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, but you had to like, um, you got like patches for like your your vest or your sash for how many Bible verses you memorized. You framed your boobs when you said you got patches. Did they Um, go on your boobs? They did. Um, Yeah, so like the more Bible verses you memorized, you got like these patches, similar to like in Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts, if you like achieved a level of uh, skill learned. Interesting. So like that was cool because like I actually felt like I was learning. Um, Did that inspire your love of memorizing lines for acting? Oh, no. They weren't even related. It could have um, been. It could have been. I know, great. right? <laughs> um, and then um, I switched churches in high school because I um, and I also switched high schools, and so I was now going to the same church that um, a lot of kids I went to school with went to, and that was like 
a lot of just me wanting to like get closer to God. But that is the church that made me leave because there was this competitiveness about who loved God better. And it was literally just shit talking about like, I'm a better Christian than you. And and so like anything you did was like judgy. And basically like, I just felt like I had to leave because like I couldn't cuss. That made me a sinner. Um, I couldn't do things with boys. Like all these (laughs) things that like as a feminist, it's like there's nothing wrong, like experiencing sexuality and all that. Um, and, or just like my had friends who were gay and all this other stuff. And so I was like, these things don't align with who I am. Yeah. And I had tears of guilt of Christian guilt, which is really hard to get rid of. And now I'm like, I don't give a fuck about anything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I also had friends come up to me and say, you probably left the church because you have a bad relationship for your parents and you need to. Come back because they say like your parents are related to God, which is why like you're disconnected and they wanted to pray for me. And I was like, do not fucking pray for me. Um, I hate the judgmental side of religion. Yeah. Why does it have to be like that? That was basically why like I don't want to have anything to do with it. I consider myself more of like a spiritual person now. Mm. Um, I believe that it's more of like a universal force than God, but I'm also really into like karma and tarot cards and crystals. I thought you said universal forest, by the way. Oh, <laughs> universal <laughs> force. I that. That's cool. Yeah. Like, that sounds yeah. awesome. Right? Um, so hey, yeah, it's like that's actually tarot cards, to, uh, crystals. an idea that I've had. I told you about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's Tyler's future religion. No, well, kind of. <laughs> it's it's the religion that I built in the in my book that I'm okay. writing. But we're talking about the handmade. Yes, scale. So, thank you. Sorry, spiel. sorry. Spiel. Yeah. yeah, I well, first of all, the evidence is there that uh, the regime has um, differences from Christianity in a, a few different ways. One, um, the the main rebels are Quakers and Baptists. Oh yeah, right, and and Catholics hmm. in some ways. Yeah, um, basically all the other religions that weren't allowed to fit within Gilead. Yeah, and so so first of all, there's that, which, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and be like, this is the real version of Christianity what about because all the that's BS. What's they're that? Just what about all the lesbians? Like they're in their resistance. Yeah, like Emily. Right, but, and and I'm uh, yeah. But exactly. in the book, though, that wasn't. Oh, okay. In the book, it was the Quakers and the. There, yeah, okay. but that's that's the thing, though, man. Like we're. Hmm. <laughs> in real life, let's step out of the book for a second. In real life, they're especially in Portland, especially in on the West Coast. I don't know about the East Coast because I don't live there. There are so many life affirming churches. Like it's it's this it's bullshit for people to sit here and go. You have to choose to either be a Christian or be life affirming. You have to be a a, a, a churchgoer or like gays. That's bullshit. And it's something that that is propagated, I don't know, from someone and and people who want to establish their own um, righteousness. And it's and I hate it. I hate it so much. So, like, when I read a book where Quakers and gays and lesbians are on the same side, it makes sense to me. It's I don't question it for even a second because Quakers are very open minded people and if you look at the history of Quakers in America, they're generally the best people that there are. They're not Puritans. They're not people who persecuted and hung witches or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They are people who went out and they loved and they helped and they built and, and they just gave and gave and gave. 
and hold on correct me if i'm wrong because i just read a book that had quakers in it they're like the only ones that believe that you can talk directly to god right uh i don't know no, about lutherans that. do too really yeah that was why martin luther nailed the theses on the door of the catholic church i'm not Fair. gonna i'm not gonna sure, sit here and say that i'm not gonna sit here and speak on what the beliefs of a specific religious uh group of people are because one generally people in a group don't all agree and two True. i don't know everything about all protestant faiths that's insane you? that's your one yeah. job tyler <laughs> yeah if you're um, gonna be so Christian, many you gotta know it all but then on top of that when in this book there are several places where there's scripture used to propagate mm -hmm. different ideas uh 90 percent of them are all old testament so it's it's something that is something that bothers the shit out of me because whenever people say god you automatically assume christianity but nobody ever says jesus nobody ever says christ so this is not christianity this is just theology right yeah because because technically if i'm wrong Tell me if I'm wrong, Tyler, but like if you are a Christian, no matter what form you, or branch you are of it, we live in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus has already come and saved us. Yes. If you're a Christian, yeah. mm -hmm. you believe that Jesus of Nazareth died and resurrected and mm -hmm. was and is God. That is it. That is the only fundamental thing you have to believe in to be a Christian. That's mm -hmm. it. That's a universal thing. Everything yeah. else is outside. That's where different sects of Christianity come in. That's where different denominations are. This group does not ever propagate Jesus as Christ or God or anything. So again, that's a good point. I never realized that. Not Christians. Also, the only the only verse that they reference in the New Testament, they change so that they can propagate their own regime. It what is not is the it? original verse. Um, I'm, I had it. I fucking <laughs> had it. I'm so fucking sorry that I don't remember it off the top of my head. If you guys want, we can take a break and I can look it up because I don't want to sound like a douchebag. But basically, they said the verse is, blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those that are this. Blessed are those that are this and this and this. They Take out the part where you inherit a kingdom of God, the, inherit the kingdom of God, because that would give too much power to the women. And then they add in, blessed are those that are silent, because that takes power away from the women. They, add, they take away and they add from the scripture. And not in a translation way where, like, in the original Hebrew, it said this and this and this. They literally, there's nothing like that. I looked it up. I did a Bible study on this after <laughs> I read this book. So the only New Testament, the only thing that is close to Christianity, they change so it's not Christianity. Interesting. I never, yeah, I never even put those two together. But yeah, it's still like a religious thing, though, that they're using. I feel like it was just a way to put like well, God fearing power. They're using, <clears throat> they're using the Old Testament, which, as Jews, mm -hmm. we um, only use the Old Testament, right? And um, we always joke, all all the Jews, not just me and Jay. <clears throat> Sorry. Hold on. She's dying. Yeah, have some water. It's okay. All the Jews always joke that. Oh my God, I don't know how. <laughs> the Jewish religion really does emotional. not want you to say this. 
We always joke that um <laughs> that God was so mean in the Old Testament. <laughs> He's so mean. <laughs> and that's like essentially like kind of what they what they use in um the show, right? I mean, they're yeah. using him yeah. as a, a fear tactic, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's what I that's what I I really get upset when um they're like I played the game Far Cry. Um, I don't know if you guys and I've ladies, heard of it. At ladies, no. Okay, yeah. I'm a guy yeah. <laughs> in a room full of ladies. I'm, it's totally fine. You knew I whoa, wasn't going to get this before you said it. Well, <laughs> I know what Far Cry is. But did you play it? No, because I don't play a ton of video games. <clears throat> yeah. Mostly because they stress me out. Oh yeah, I totally get that. So, Far Cry uh, was the last one that I. It was Far Cry Five. It was the last one I played, and uh, I was going insane because. They're just doing all this religious stuff. And I'm going around like you. The point of the game is to go and kill people because they're in a cult and they're taking over these towns. And I'm going around and I'm like doing it in the meanest possible way. And Becca's like, what is wrong with you, Tyler? Why are you why are you bashing that dude's face into the bat? I'm like, because he's propagating a form of religion that uses my God. You're like, this oh is the God. Crusades, bitch. Yeah, I'm like, I get so upset when people use the Bible in a way that is slanderous. So wait, do you do you like the way that Margaret Atwood incorporated it? Do you think she did a like respectful job uh, i think she did a great job of using what people would use to to create a regime that holds people down i just wanted it to be said that the regime in of itself is not christian <laughs> yeah you just wanted i just needed yeah. to be i just needed to say that because your uneducated reader like me is gonna read it and, and go like, these are oh, Christians. christians suck man yeah which I don't yeah. believe, but right. I, I think that's I what just, most people who don't understand religion would read it and be like, oh, this is Christianity. Yeah, no, I saw it more as just like religion is always sort of the totem that people use when they want to create like a, um, a like a, a dictate. Yeah, a totalitarian dictatorship and rule over people. Um, yeah, I agree <laughs> completely. I, I, I mean, also think you can do the opposite use... when you look at communism where like yeah. religion's not allowed at all and then True. you use the government as the people. But then government the is God, so yeah, you still exactly. have like a re there, religion. There's yeah. some form of like God holder in sure. place. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I, I know that not all of uh, Christianity is like that. I It's more organized religion that pisses me off more than yeah. anything. Because, like, when I lived in Sacramento, we had churches that were on, like, the side of the gay community when, like, Prop 8 was a thing. And so, like, they had the gay communities back. So it's it's more just, like, it's, again, it's it's a lot of propaganda. It's a lot of, like, negative marketing and all that. And so yeah. people, it's just groupthink. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's the main enemy here. And, and mm -hmm. Hannah and I deal with that here in a small town in, you know, Oregon, where, like, there's... There's a constant battle. Uh, within the last year, we've had to deal with a lot of that stuff. With the whole transgender stuff that's been going on. Yeah, Tyler more so than me. I just live out in the sticks where nobody can bother me. I don't and, have I, and I run a news <laughs> podcast in a small town where, like, there has been a lot of transgender phobia and uh, progress made in the last year. And it's been crazy to watch and to see where a lot of people fall. And... I don't know. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, I think it's a good place to wrap up. <laughs> no, not like in a bad way. No, just no, like I get it, yeah. We let yeah. Tyler talk about God. I Tyler's guess we're done. The pressure is like up here right now. <laughs> I'm ready for a whole another podcast. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so this was fun. Yeah. And I think we made the handmaid's tale so less depressing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we definitely did. There's a lot of sisterhood going on in there. There is. So yeah. uh, do you want to go out telling people where everybody can find everybody that's in, involved in this? <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, why don't you? <laughs> our co-host uh, that joined us today is Lewis and Lovecraft. Yeah. Um, you can find them on the social medias and on, on the interwebs our, on, our on all the podcast <laughs> platforms. Our website is lewisandlovecraft.com. I know oh, they think, got a website. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they make us look bad. I'm like, you what the hell? Can't do it all. It's all Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should just make Tyler make our website. Right. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll have fun doing that. You, guys he, you need, heard him here. You, he said yes. yes. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's happening. You guys need a t-shirt. verbal contract. You guys need some merch made. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we need all these things because there's only so many things I can do. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So you guys should uh, yeah. definitely check them out. And and if you're listening to Between Lewis and Lovecraft, then our guest host, Hannah, take it away. <laughs> our Crystal and Allie from Best Friends Playbook. Where Boom. can they find them? I, you can find them on, on the socials. Not on a website because they don't have that yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> but definitely follow their Instagram. Where do, yeah, they where make do you awesome pictures? Where do you guys generally Thank send you. people to your like your your podcast landing page or like uh, your Instagram? I, mean, uh, I just oh sorry, go ahead. I just have a link tree, so on the link tree, it it basically connects to any place you can listen to our podcast, and then I think like two of our social media handles are on there. Instagram, yeah, link yeah. Tree. I guess they could come to our Instagram because I just prefer Instagram, and it's. Best friends play book, not mm-hmm. best friends play <laughs> list. Pod, play playlist, which is what Tyler, which said. is what I call it the first time. And then time. it got stuck in my head like that. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's okay because no, it's, it's supposed to be a book, like kind of like a sports playbook. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we my based it off t- of Silver Linings playbook. Yes. Oh. And then that's what I thought playbook. it was. That's yeah. Kind of Together. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to like pun it off of a movie too. Yeah. It's uh, a lot. Yeah. By the way, I really like your guys' intro and stuff. Like you guys using your own voices to do the quotes and things from from stuff. Thanks. I thought that Thanks. was really good. We're actually uh, re-recording a new one with new quotes for season two. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Like today after this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. if you like our intro, outro music, you can find all of that at, uh, well, you can thank Jake Basson. Oh, yeah. We always thank Jake for yeah. our intro music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, B-A-S-S-E-N. You can on find SoundCloud. his music on SoundCloud. Um, I don't know if you guys do this, but we beg people to follow us <laughs> and subscribe. Uh, because the best way for podcasts to get better and bigger is for you to uh, share them with people. Tell a friend. Yeah, we'll do some, we'll do some begging. Uh, if you guys are listening to us from Lewis and Lovecraft... Please come check us out. Uh, please leave us a review. Yeah. I really want our reviews to grow because that's how we get pushed up on podcast uh, yeah. platforms. So that way people can just find us organically. Um, and also follow us on social media. Um, you could go over to Twitter too. Our Twitter account's a little lonely. <laughs> oh, well, I'll follow you guys then. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do Thanks. that. I didn't uh, know we had a Twitter. I, have- <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I looking ha- I at our Podbean stats uh, the other day and I saw that Fifty-two percent of our listeners are on Apple. Um, Most so, of our listeners are on Apple too. So if you're listening to this show, uh, either one—if you're listening to Playbook or Lovecraft, 
go leave a review. One or the other, or both would be better. We know you're listening on <laughs> Apple, so you gotta leave a review. Like it's super simple, guys. It's not super. hard. It takes like literally one minute. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get mad at you. I have to beg. I was like fault. thinking about it this morning about all the people I know that listen that haven't given us a review yet. I, I gotta know. go beg them all. Yeah. I feel like I people that you know are less likely to do it. That is very true. You usually have to remind them a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll just give a shout out to Katie because I only had to tell her once. Yeah, I had to do that with somebody too. Uh, Leo? Yeah, Leo did it after one. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm slacking. Yeah. Thanks, Leo. You guys should check out. We'll give a shout out to Leo because um, he like really pushed us to get us get us going. Their podcast is called the Boo Crew Podcast, Boo and crew. they do like horror films and they interview actors from upcoming horror films. Yes, it's a very That's good podcast. Cool. Very Love cool. you, Leo. Yeah. Boo Crew is a good fandom name too. Right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. They have like a whole following there. Yeah, yeah, we have started great. another podcast called The Cool Game. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> We've come full circle. Yeah. All right, guys, All thank right. you so much for listening. And guys, seriously, Crystal and Allie, thank you for hanging out this with us. This was fun. It was so yeah, much thank fun. Thank you for reaching out and wanting to do the collab. I'm super happy this happened, and I think we'll definitely we'll have, have to do it again. Yeah, we'll have more in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. Guys, have a great week, and may the Lord open you. Under his eye. <laughs> Under his eye. <laughs> Praised <laughs> be. Blessed, what, isn't there like a blessed be the something? Blessed be the fruit. Blessed be the fruit. Blessed be the fruit, guys. Blessed yeah. Be the fruit. yeah. So awkward. <laughs> <laughs>